This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And the sous chef of the garden, Franklin Proctor. Nice to have you about here. Yes, if, if, if we were on camera now, you could see Charlie racing from studio to studio looking for a set of earphones. Well, our, uh, hello. There we are. The headphones are there. <laughs> Almost. Not plugged in yet, but I've got them. <laughs> That's good. Well, here we are on a Saturday morning, a little cloudy out there, but I had a bright little bit of news. You saw me printing out something from my emails and had a little note from Pick Ontario. That's a comprehensive marketing communications campaign that's developed by Flowers Canada to raise awareness, interest, and demand for Ontario-cut flowers and potted plants. And what they say here is, I thought, kind of neat. As most of you know, the colder months can quickly turn from winter wonderland to dreary and gray. And so adding some indoor plants and flowers to your home is a great way to put a little spring back in your step. And uh, this is kind of handy, too. Research from Rutgers University indicates that the presence of flowers triggers happy emotions, heightens feelings of life satisfaction, and adds social behavior in a positive manner, making them a great addition to any home or office. So there you go. Mm. How about that, sports fans? Thank you for that. That's brilliant. So, um, yes, today I've been a little behind schedule on a few things, (laughs) uh, including getting up to the microphone here. Uh, Hi, Frank. Well, hello, Charlie. Nice to see you. Good to see you, my friend. I uh, mentioned to you as I raced into the studio a few minutes ago that I even left home a little late today. That's right. Yeah, Uh, yeah, just had to race back after I had left a bit late, race back home, forgot the Hanukkah candles for my daughter. Hanukkah starts Monday. Monday, exactly. So that's that's an upcoming event for sure. Uh, Okay, what's going on? Probably the biggest thing people need to put on their calendars is for December the 13th. The uh, Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society will be meeting in December. That's December 13th between 1 and 4 p.m. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Mm -hmm. So the speaker is Jeff Mason of Mason House Gardens, and he's speaking on high and dry 25 years on a sand dune. So it's all about starting, well, it's actually him and his mom, as far as I know, bought the property to develop into a nursery, sort of dead of winter, and then snow melted, and they... What they wound up with was a <laughs> sand dune. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so, and they made a really, you know, good, really good show of it and have learned a lot about gardening in the sand, and we'll certainly be sharing that with everyone. A lot of so, cactus. <laughs> yeah, well, too. no, no, um, just, yeah, a lot of good techniques for helping plants to survive in well, very well-drained soil. Uh, so lots to learn there and fun, certainly fun information as well. Free admission, everyone's welcome. Free parking, of course. Toronto Botanical 
Gardens, 777 Lawrence Avenue East in Toronto at Leslie, December 13th between 1 and 4. There you go. Okay. Anything else on the go? Uh, well, you want to hear an update on what I did on Thursday night? What did you... Oh, <clears throat> wait a minute. I remember you mentioned yeah, this last... I yes. was I participated in the festive floral face-off. <laughs> Toronto Botanical Gardens had a big open house, and it was actually a very nice event. There was uh, people walking around with little snacks, um, and there was vendors selling all kinds of really cool organic things from baked goods to fruits and vegetables to almonds and, you know, teas, yeah, everything. Uh, There was also the gift shop was going gangbusters, and myself, excuse me, and two professional florists had a competition to put together in 30 minutes or less the most amazing seasonal planters you've seen in your life. Uh, and Dennis Flanagan, Dennis, I was gonna say, my he... wacky friend Dennis, emceed the whole thing. So, yes, it was very fun. It was uh, good stuff. Um, yeah, it was, yeah. And if we can quickly mention, we had a terrific evening here at the Zoomerplex mm-hmm. uh, when uh, Michael Bentley, the president of Sierrasil, came by with a wonderful documentary. And uh, it was basically the the second the second fifty years. It's called second your 50. second fifty, right? Yep. So, and it's what was it was good timing. I thought I found it quite inspiring. Yes, I did too. It was all about getting ready to change the way you think and feel about the privilege of aging. So and it was uh, it was quite good. Yeah, and forty uh, experts in various areas of aging of uh, health mental health, uh, et cetera. Uh, and it was, uh, I thought, exceedingly well done. So. Well, like the message was all about yep. eating well, uh, keeping active, and recognizing that you have a lot, of, a lot to give. Exactly. Because of experience and knowledge and years and years of, of being on this earth. So that, it was like, in that sense, it was very inspiring. Um, <clears throat> so my new mantra for taking on new projects. Is beyond time. Well, number oh, one, no. <laughs> is oh. it going to be fun? Forget that being on time thing. <laughs> is it going to be fun? Will it make a difference? And will I make money? Hey, there you are. There's the mantra. There, okay. If the, Not if, necessarily if, in that order. If, well, if, those three, if you get three yeses, then take on the project. Good deal. And we're going to take on the project of talking to listeners, or at least you are. I shall be welcoming them to the line. i got to give you the phone numbers yet. 416-360-0740 here in Toronto. Anywhere else in the province, it's toll-free, of course. 1-866-740-4740. If you're a first-time caller, please... Oh, I forgot my bell. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Beyond time. I forgot my bell. Here we are. All right. Totally Tell organized. Sebastian, and I'll ring a bell that I'll, I'll get momentarily after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And here we are on a Saturday morning, and to let you know that, uh, hey, the lines are open, 416-360-0740, anywhere in the province, toll-free, right here to Zoomer Radio. I think this is one of the very, very few times I've looked up at that monitor, and son of a gun, we're light on calls. So oh, I guess everybody's out Christmas well, shopping. Well, that's it. You know, it's or such a busy time of year. racing around getting Hanukkah candles yeah. like I was this morning. <laughs> so if there have been times when you've said to yourself, well, I try and try and try and can't get through, 
Good heavenly days. This Good is the moment. Good heavenly days. Yes. I like that. Ye Godfrey Daniels. Yes. <laughs> Give a call now to Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener in studio. Um, uh, I found one more announcement that I have oh, yeah. okay. for people that sure. want to mark their calendars for fun and interesting events. The first event actually is this Monday, December 7th. And you guys, you and Shirley should do this. Um, it's what you do. Okay, so this is welcoming the holiday season amidst a backdrop of Victorian era carolers and enjoy the afternoon tea while being treated to a talk on the floral collection by the superintendent of Allen Gardens, Curtis Evoy. So you know where Allen Gardens is, right? Yeah, oh, refresh my memory. Yeah. Uh, College, Gerard? Dundas? Oh, yes. Carlton. Okay. Yeah, Carlton, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it is Carlton there. The yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Allen Gardens is an old a, public garden. A pet pet uh, area there, too, isn't that? No, I don't think so. Oh, you know, I'm thinking of something else. You're yeah, thinking of Riverdale, too. Riverdale, too. Okay, something. no, Allen Gardens is, you You know it. I'm just trying to think. It's not Parliament. It's Sherburne and Carlton, I believe. Beautiful old glass domed greenhouse, right. glass yes. house, full and, and more than just mm-hmm. that, full of all kinds of c- collections, uh, specimen plants. Now, at Christmas, of course, they put on a big show for Christmas. So there are 30 different varieties of poinsettias, along with a selection of colder weather flowers and plants, such as azaleas and cyclamen. Mm-hmm. We get lots of calls about azaleas and cyclamen. So you will be able to tour these plants, sniff them, smell them, touch them, ask questions, Meanwhile, Curtis Evoy will give you the background on Allen Gardens, and he will also fill you in on some of the decorations and recognize that these glass houses are filled with thousands of flowering plants. So, starting this Monday, the first seating for tea is at noon until 2, and then there's a second seating from 3 until 5. The following Monday, December 14th, same thing. There's a first seating noon to 2, second seating 3 to 5, so both Mondays. TBG members, $45. Guests are 50 For more information, go to torontobotanicalgarden.ca. Okay. And we on The Garden Show are going to the callers in just one moment. After, well, we can do that right now. Let's take the first caller, Bob in Toronto. Good morning and welcome along to The Garden Show. Hello, Bob. Good morning. How are you people today? Hey, okay, thank you. Good. Okay, it's about milkweed. I have them growing here all the time. And to keep the seeds from growing on to the neighbors, I collect them. Now I want to put them back. When I put them back on the ground, do I cover them up with dirt or just leave them, let them lay there? Uh, sorry. Okay, Bob, can you just start your question one more time? They're right. seeds of what? The milkweed. You know, oh, they're, milkweed, gotcha. They're, they're opening up now. Mm-hmm. In order to keep them from flying on to the neighbor, mm-hmm. I've collected them. Good idea. In the bag. Okay. So now I want to put them back. When I put them back on the ground, do I cover them up or just lay them on the ground? I would just lay them on the ground, pray for snow, or put a very, very light layer of soil on top. Very good. That would be my suggestion. But, yeah, you want, you, what you're trying to do is uh, keep them from growing in the neighbor's yard. Is that's that what's right. going on? Yeah, so that's uh, what I would do. The other thing is just watch in the spring. So if any do come up in the neighbor's yard, you can dig them up and move them over into your property. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for your advice. Thanks, Bob. Take care. All righty. Off and running here, literally. Yeah, is that going to work? Okay, yep. Yeah, we have uh, Evelyn on the line now from Mount Hope. Hello, Evelyn. Oh, hi. Um, good morning. Morning. I'm talking about whitefly and hibiscus. 
Mm-hmm. And um, these were new plants in the spring, and they were out all summer, and they bloomed beautifully. Mm. Brought them in when it turned cold. Um, they were doing extremely well, and now the white fly are starting to appear. Mm. And I've had this problem with hibiscus for years. <laughs> I know. It's funny. You know, so many of us do, and sometimes people get so frustrated, they just stop bringing in I their know. hibiscus for that reason. But I refuse to quit. <laughs> I don't blame you. All right, so, and you know they're white fly. You're oh, familiar definitely. with the problem. And you, so you touch the plant, little white yep. flies mm-hmm. fly off. If you look at the underside of the leaves, yep. you will see little sort of pearly dots, mm-hmm. um, almost not quite pearly, almost opaque. Uh, they're not totally clear. They're a little bit almost frosty. And those are the eggs, right, of the yep. white fly. Mm-hmm. So what I do in a situation to try and control the white fly is two things. One is prune the plant back removing the, the, depending on the size of the plant, um, you're going to take off as much as four to six inches or even less, if necessary, of the tips of all the branches Mm -hmm. because most of the eggs are clustered on the newest foliage. Mm -hmm. So, and you're going to have a garbage bag right beside you. And every time you take a little clipping, you're going to pop that clipping into the garbage bag and close it up because Mm -hmm. you want, you want to just have all that stuff disappear from your house. Now you're going to be looking at a plant that's got no buds on it, no flowers, but hopefully no white fly eggs. Mm. Then I would take the plant into the bathroom. I would spray it with, there's a couple of different sprays you could choose, either a spray that's a pyrethrin-based spray, or there's also one that's pyrethrin and oil-based called End All. Yes, I've used that. Mm -hmm. But you're going to spray more than once, because first you're going to spray, say, today. You're going to let that spray dry. Then you're going to, with water, give it a a cleansing with some clear water, back out into the sunny location. Seven days later, back into the bathtub, do it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, I find that even the little sticky sticks, those yellow sticky uh, little cards, Mm -hmm. they can be quite effective for catching some. They will never catch all, but that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to lower the population down far enough so that <clears throat> and stop eggs from you know being uh, from hatching so that you will then annihilate the problem and keep in mind that you want to keep that hibiscus out of hot drafts so if you're anywhere near a furnace vent or anything like that um, use a deflector to keep the hot air away from the the plant mm-hmm. use whatever you can to raise the humidity around the plant and the white fly uh, problem will also diminish mm. in a higher humidity situation mm-hmm. okay okay well well try again try yeah okay, let us yeah. know how that goes because I know it can be really really frustrating oh yeah and it's such beautiful plants you know, know they're yellow and they're just oh the best they just brighten up the room so much no kidding and the oh, yellow yeah. Those are hard to, to get flowering at the best yeah. of times. Okay, well, thank you for your advice. All righty, thanks, thank Evelyn. You. Thanks, Evelyn. And alliteration will come into play here in just a couple of moments when I welcome Mary from Markville. But first, this uh, word or two on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And here along with Charlie, of course, Frank Proctor, welcoming Mary from Markville to the air here. Hiya, Mary. Good morning. Morning. I <laughs> uh, really enjoy your... Sorry? Yeah, go ahead. We're here. I say I really enjoy your program very much. Thank um, you. I have a diplodenia, mm-hmm. and uh, it was beautiful all summer, 
It was the red flowers, but when I brought it in, now it looks dead. All the leaves about ready to fall off. I don't know what to do with it. Okay, so when did you bring it in? Um, just before the frost. Okay, good. So about two weeks ago then? Uh-huh. And when you brought it in, did you? where did you put it? Is it in a sunny window somewhere? Uh, yes, a very sunny window. Okay, and it was looking good when you brought it in. It had green leaves and flowers on it. Uh-huh. And yeah. since you brought it in, what happened? Just all the leaves fell off? Well, they're all dead there. If I just touch them, I think they'll all fall off. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? It's almost better to, to do that, to touch, brush, comb, allow the dead to, to fall. Mm-hmm. Have you watered since it came in? Well, yes. But okay. So should I not water it too much when it's like that? Or? Well, that's right. So that's the trick. It, if the plant is, gone, is going through or has been going through a bit of a shock mm-hmm. from outdoor to indoor, because it is pretty dramatic at this time of year, the light levels are very different between outside and inside. The temperatures, mm-hmm. of course, are very different. So just ensure that, as you said, you've got a nice sunny spot. Ensure that you, as I mentioned to our, our last caller, Evelyn, avoid hot air drafts on the plant. Make sure it's not getting, you know, the furnace vent blowing on it, etc. Use a deflector if necessary. Mm-hmm. Do give it a shake or a combing. Get all that dead stuff off of there. Clean it all up. Get it out of the pot. Feel the soil. If the soil is damp right now, do not water again until the soil gets completely dried out. Even if that takes another month or so, just wait until the soil is dried right down. And get your pruners out. Do a little pruning on the tips. If the root is alive, the plant will send energy out into those stems and branches, and new growth will start. That's Mm -hmm. assuming that the root, like I say, is still alive, and you want to be careful you don't rot the roots by overwatering in this process, this transition. Mm -hmm. Okay? Very good. All right. You have a job. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks very much. Really enjoy your show. We try to hear it every Saturday. Excellent. Thank That's you so great. much. Thank you, Mary. Have a great day, and thank you for tuning right here to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio, broadcasting live and direct, might I add, from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. With the only sous chef of the garden yes. in the entire world. That is absolutely I right. I would just like to point out it's a very special show. Like, not any other show in the world has a sous chef of the garden. I, I want a throne. I'll let you borrow my my red carpet. (laughs) I know what kind of throne you're going to offer me. Yeah, never mind. Okay. (laughs) Shelly in St. Catharines. Good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have Mm. have the source of the problem. I put um, new soil on my hibiscus. I'm the lady that's got the rare burgundy red hibiscus. Uh, Oh, yeah. And I got some new potting soil and uh, topped up the pots and everything, mm. and I got spider mites. Hmm. And the leaves have just been dropping unbelievably. And you can see webbing? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I've, I've, the insecticidal soap is, is you know, in, hmm. in use. But my, my question is, I still have some more of that soil. Can I, this might sound strange, but maybe you've got a better solution. Can I put that soil on like a cookie sheet and put it in the oven and... Bake it? Kill, kill them? Yep. you got to bake it for about a half an hour at 400 degrees. Oh, excellent. <laughs> okay, I'm not so crazy then. No, no, you're not. It's actually called sterilizing the soil or pasteurizing the soil. It's very, it was always done in the old days. People always steamed the soil to kill whatever was alive in it right. uh, at transplant time. Nowadays... 
we, we're so much into soilless mixes that often the growers will just buy new soil and rarely reuse it and just compost the old. So if it's not a huge bag, well, it's up to you. I mean, yeah. Not you much could, left in the bag. Yeah, if there's not much left and you want to tr- do the baking thing, go for it. That'll kill. There should not be any, like it is a potting soil, right? Yes. Okay, because there's potting soils or, you know, soilless mixes for potting should be completely sterile. There should be no life in them at all. So, well, I think it was next door to another type of soil, like uh, a triple mix or, hmm. or something or other, because it was a, one of the big, you know, yeah. um, box store places where I bought it. Yeah, but it's and a sealed... And that's where I wondered if that's where... I've never had this issue before. And it was a sealed bag, though. You didn't buy an open bag, did you? No, but I mean, all, even the sealed bags have like little air holes in yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, You know, so that's where I wondered if that's how it got in there. Possibly, and that hibiscus didn't go outside this summer, did it? Oh yes. Oh, okay. But before I brought it in, I drowned them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And there was no, hmm. no sign of any kind of bugs whatsoever. Yeah. Well, until I put <clears throat> this new soil, yeah, up the, the pots. Okay, so you're right. Suspect the new soil. Uh, do sterilize it as as we suggested. Okay. The other thing is, remember, white fly and spider mites, both of them love tropical plants and thrive in a hot, dry environment. So do whatever you can to raise the humidity around that hibiscus to lower the population of spider mite. Oh, so if I put the pot then into a, like a tray with pebbles or... Yep. The, the pots have got those um, the hole in it, you know, for yeah. the water to drain through down into Perfect. the bottom. Right. So after you're finished baking, you know, using that cookie sheet for baking the soil, right. then fill that same cookie tray up with some gravel, sit the hibiscus on top of the gravel, and fill the cookie tray up with water. Okay. So that the hibiscus won't be sitting in the water, but water will be constantly evaporating around it. You will find your spider mite population will drop noticeably just in the presence of a, high, a higher humidity. Well, so will the insecticidal soap that I'm spraying it with, I'm spraying the soil as well, will it help to do the trick as well? Um, on contact. Remember, this, um, the soap kills insects and mites on contact, but you must coat the insect, or in the case of a spider mite, it's actually a spider, it's not an insect. So you must coat the little creature with the soap so that it dies because insects and spiders breathe through holes in their bodies. They don't have lungs, right? They're not like us with, you know, breathing through their mouths and noses. So when we coat their little bodies with soap, they can't breathe. And when they can't breathe, they suffocate. But okay, it is so the, every week that I that I do the the spraying with the insecticidal soap. Make sure I give the soil a good soak too. Well, and make sure that you're spraying under and like remember the mites are going to be under the leaves on the backside. They're in the, all the cracks and crannies and crotches. That's where they hang out. So right. get right into all those kinds of areas with your soap, and be careful of the hibiscus in a sunny window. If it's got soap on it, so pull the plant back from the window uh, when you're doing your spraying, and then do rinse with clear water before you slide back into the sunny window because soap can be quite hard on the plants as well. Right. So will the sh- like a sheer curtain in front of the between the yeah. window and the so- and, yeah it softens. Help? Well, it softens the intensity of the light, but right. remember that the hibiscus to thrive really wants as much light as possible. Right. Okay. okay. All right. Excellent. Oh, All right. Excellent advice. Thank you All so right. very much. That's why I enjoy listening to your show so oh, much. Good, 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 good. Well, let us know because that rare burgundy hibiscus must be kept alive. Well, you know, I've done 12 cuttings and I've only got three, three that are going. One is thriving and the other two are iffy. 
Okay. I know why it's so rare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When did you take those cuttings? Um, early summer. Back, back in the uh, oh, well, the, back in the sp- spring summer. Oh wow, it was good mm. growing. Amazing, yeah, because like June is the optimal time to take the cuttings on the hibiscus. All right, well, there okay, you go. Well, we'll I'll be making that, a road I'll, trip. I'll try that again. <laughs> I'll try it June next year. Okay, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Shelley. Charlie. Okay, bye bye now. As we say goodbye to Shelley, I'll let you know that leaves the line open at four one six three six zero zero seven forty or anywhere else in the province, toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You know, Charlie, at this time of year, of course, when you have a lot of people traveling from house to house, neighbors, friends, whatever, mm-hmm. they always like to bring a little gift along. Mm-hmm. As far as bringing a gift of a floral variety mm-hmm. or whatever, plant for how about, oh, I was going to say poinsettia or poinsettia. How is it? Poinsettia. Poinsettia. Okay, not just poinsettia, poinsettia. Poinsettia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, properly it's poinsettia, okay. but most people it's called poinsettia. What are some of the tips that you should could offer up to those who might be picking one of those up to take to somebody? You know what's the most important thing when you're traveling with poinsettia? Do not leave it in a cold car. And do not leave the store with it unwrapped. Even today on a day where it's above zero, poins- <clears throat> excuse me, poinsettias are very, very sensitive to cold temperatures. Wow. Yeah. So that that's always the trick with fresh plants mm-hmm. at this time of year. Certainly some plants are a little tougher than others when it comes to traveling. Poinsettias also are a very traditional Christmas plant. So if you're visiting um, somebody who's having a Christmas party, it's great. Bring them a poinsettia. However, if you're off to a Hanukkah Latka event this week, I wouldn't recommend a poinsettia. Instead, I would suggest cyclamen or azalea perhaps. Even a Christmas cactus, they travel – you know, they – Christmas cactus are great in the cool temperatures, Mm -hmm. so they're certainly not going to be in any – no issue around them freezing to death. But none of these plants get left in the car. Of course, it's a a wrapped plant out of the store into your home and then just open the top of the wrapping until your time to go to your event, close the top of the wrapping, back into the warmed car and off you go. There you go. Some good advice from Charlie who will hopefully offer up something of the same to uh, Monica out in Oakville. Hey, good morning, Monica. Good morning. Good morning. My question is about protecting euonymus um, mm-hmm. over the winter from rabbit. Mm-hmm. If you have some solutions for that. I do. Okay, so there's a big old euonymus? Um, there's about five small ones in mm-hmm. the front garden bed. Okay, and they are like the green and white variety, or, or this is like the... It's green. The green, okay. And is, it's not burning bush, right? This is a euonymus. No, it's definitely euonymus. Yeah, so, well, burning bush actually is euonymus too, just clarifying. So euonymus that you're growing is a, what's called a broadleaf evergreen. Yes. And so this has been planted to grow as um, either to go up the wall, the foundation of your home, or provide some kind of a ground cover? Yes, a ground cover, actually. All right, and how long have they been there? Um... About seven years. Lovely. Have you had problems with rabbits in the past? Yes. Oh. All right. So I'm just quickly looking up a product. It's called Plant Skid. So just the word plant Mm -hmm. and then S-K-Y-D. S-K-Y-D. Okay. And um, remember when we had Paul Oliver here from the Urban Nature yes. Store, Frank? Yeah. He was talking about it, plant skid. It was—it's a funny name. I think it was first uh, invented in Finland, and it was designed—it was to protect plants from like 
deer or reindeer or elk or something. Keep the animals away. Yeah, yeah, and what they found is that it actually works on, on repelling a whole bunch of different animals. So plant, skid, rabbits, and small creature, organic repellent. Perfect. So um, da, 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 a bunch of reviews here. It, it appears to be available at Home Depot okay. and at Canadian Tire. Uh, it is comes as a liquid and you will follow the instructions in terms of how you apply it. Mm-hmm. But it, what's good about it is that the, it, it's a scent that you apply, and it does apparently last three to four months. Perfect. It's a non-offensive odor to people. Uh, it's also a foliar feed on many plants. Uh, its active ingredient is dried blood meal. So interesting, eh? Apparently it works really well, though, for deer, rabbits, elk. Yeah, that's what it was. It started for, it was all about elk when it was invented. So plant skid, S-K-Y-D-D, actually, two Ds. Two Ds, okay. Repellent. That's what I would recommend, unless you can set up a physical barrier that is going to look okay and keep the bunny rabbits away. Right. Like chicken wire or something like that around the plants. Oh, good. That's a good option. Yeah, so one or the other. You're going to need to either go with like a, yeah, like a physical cage to protect the plants or... Or go with some kind of a repellent that the bunny rabbits won't, won't go near the plants. But because you're right, bunnies love euonymus. Yeah. And if we don't have snow, they're going to just go right for it. You know, if it's under the snow, you're fine because bunnies travel on top of the snow. So if we have a foot of snow, you're probably fine. Yeah. Thanks. Thank <laughs> okay. you so much for your suggestions. You're very welcome. Thanks, Monica. And uh, we open the line again. After saying bye-bye to uh, Monica, lines are open at 416-360-0740 or anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We've got uh, Shirley and, uh, let's see, Molly coming up next on the show. But we must take a little bit of a break here and return with Charlie Dobbin, our Master Gardener, on Zoomer Radio. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous chef of the garden saying hi and good morning to Molly in Scarborough. Hi, Molly. Good morning. Hello. Hi there. I don't know. My name is Marlene, not Molly. Oh, Marlene. Well, there you go. (laughs) Okay. I have a question for you about an orchid. Mm -hmm. I was recently given one, Mm -hmm. and it came in a pot, but it, but the orchid itself was in the plastic container, <gasps> the bag, actually, that covered the orchid. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what to do with it. Okay. I'm very nervous about um, taking it out of this plastic bag because I know I'm going to disturb the root system. Okay. What do I do? Okay, so, so the uh, orchid's in a pot, mm-hmm. and then the whole pot has got a plastic wrap around it. No, 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 no. Oh, sorry. The plastic wrap oh, is yeah. around... The orchid itself. Oh, okay. And then it's in a pot. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Hmm. And the pot that the orchid is in, is it anything special or is it just a plastic pot? No, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a ceramic pot, I guess. Oh, so that's probably what it is. It's probably because it's a, a fancy pot. Is there a drainage hole in the ceramic pot? Well, yeah, but it, I'm, there isn't in the plastic as far as I can tell. I'm really nervous about even pulling it out. Well, hold on. So wait, so the, the, the outside pot, the ceramic pot, that does clearly have a drainage hole. Mm-hmm. And when you water, no water ever comes out that drainage hole. Um, actually, I haven't checked because the only way I watered it this week, because I didn't want to get it too wet, was with a couple of ice cubes. Okay. Um, but my concern is 
is the, uh, do I just puncture the plastic bag and yeah, leave it? That's what I would do. Well, is it flowering right now, the orchid? Yes. Yeah. See, what I would do is I would go up into the drainage hole with a skewer or toothpick or whatever makes sense, something that's pointy and sharp, <clears throat> uh-huh. and make sure that there are holes in the plastic okay. so that when, when you do water, water will drain out because you okay. do not want a little lake. That nope. orchid does not want to sit in a pond. So okay. once you know there's drainage in that plastic bag, I would just, I know it's going to look a little funny, but I would just enjoy it as it is while it's flowering. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to start disturbing it and doing a transplant or, you know, trying to pull it out and re-put it back in and all that kind of stuff, you will end up stressing the plant likely so much that it'll just stop flowering right before right. your very eyes. Right. So like I said, enjoy the flower. You know, let it go through this process. It's obviously very perky and very pretty right now. So let it do its thing and it's going to do that thing for probably a while, maybe as much as two or three months. Mm-hmm. So by, you know, February, March, give us a call again once it stops flowering and then let's talk about what's the next best step. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're Creed very Marlin, welcome. Thank you. 9.47 here on a Saturday morning as Shirley checks in from Toronto. Good morning, Shirley. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Frankie. <laughs> yes, Good Shirley. morning, Charlie. <laughs> Good morning, Shirley. I have a helleborus. Uh-huh. I planted uh, last spring, mm-hmm. and I noticed yesterday it has four buds on it. Oh, that's sweet. So uh, do I cover it up with some leaves or earth or it must, you know just what? leave it? It must think it's in England. Because it, it must think that it has been planted in England somewhere. I think so. <laughs> because in England, they call that common name of a helleborus is Christmas rose. Oh, is it? Because they do bloom at Christmas time in England. Oh, for heaven's sakes, I didn't know that. In Canada, though, we call them Lenten rose because typically they bloom during Lent. So I it, see. it's two months ahead of schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Away. <clears throat> The weather's so crazy. It's so mild, exactly. So what I would do, so is it in a nice shady spot? Yes, it is. It's facing facing the west. Okay, but is it, so when that sun is out and it's setting in the afternoon, does it get sun blazing down on it or no? Not not a great deal, no. Okay. Because so it's kind of protected it, there. If you can get a hold of some leaves, I would definitely pack some leaves around the plant. Now, I wouldn't necessarily cover the whole plant with leaves, but I would definitely make sure that you've got, le- like, sort of lift up the, le- the, the green leaves, because it's an evergreen. Yes. Lift up the green stems, branches. With your hands, just tuck some some dried, you know, fallen leaves around the base of the plant. So you've got a little bit of a mountain around the plant. Yeah, not too tightly. Then. No, no, just and lots of good insulation there and, and air. Yes. And then what I do, and you might have access to this even now, when Christmas is over and I'm taking down my Christmas tree, mm-hmm. I get out my loppers and I lop off a bunch of branches off of my Christmas tree. And then I take those lopped off fir branches and I yes. go out to all my hellebores and I lay the branches right on top of the plants. Okay. And I do that for two reasons. One is to protect from the sun because it does start getting kind of intense in yes. February and March. And it's, the sun gets on to them since they're under deciduous trees. In the summer, they're in the shade, but in the winter, they get some sun. So mm-hmm. the, the fir branches protect from the sun. And it helps, again, if there's some snow, it captures the snow just to keep them dormant. Yes. If they bloom too early, you won't see the blooms in the spring when you want to see them. They'll get frosted off. No, no. Yeah. 
Now, will it multiply itself on its own? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and they will often seed as well. They'll send little seeds all over your garden. Little seedlings will come up if you watch. So, um, yeah, many of the the hybrids, they don't breed true, but little little hellebores will come up. Not thousands or anything, but, you know, half a dozen a year will uh, show up in your gardens, and the clumps will get bigger as well. That's going to be a bonus. Yeah, they're lovely plants. Yes, thank you very much. All right. And a Merry Christmas. Thank thank you. You too. Okay. Hey, got that in? Good for you. That's the first Merry Christmas we had. That's right. Well, I think because we were talking about Christmas roses. Yeah, yeah. Hellebore, Christmas rose. And I'll tell you, uh, Christmas plants and Christmas cactuses or cacti Mm. are uh, going to be in discussion in just a couple of moments here. Have to head to a break and we'll come back and say hi to Bruce up there in Etobicoke right after these words. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And here we are with Bruce from Etobicoke, anxiously awaiting the wisdom and sageness. Ooh, sageness, <laughs> sageness. I like that. Wow. Sage advice. Of Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> Hi, Bruce. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Great. You? Um, I'm pretty miserable. I'm a chronic pain patient, so I can't do much. Uh-huh. What I want to do, I know I can't do it this year, but I want to cultivate a parasitic plant. Mm, a parasitic or, or carnivorous? Uh, parasitic. It's got a symbiotic relationship with oaks. I want to cultivate mistletoe. Mistletoe, okay. How would I do it and when would I plant it? Hmm. Um, well, you know, it's an interesting question. I have, this is the oh, time of year. Well, this is when we, your, we see. If your buddy put, touches that bell, because I'm a first-time caller. Oh, well. Hey. I will dig up all his oak trees. <laughs> there you are, Bruce. He didn't want that. I'm going to dig up your oak trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. Okay, so um, I have never grown mistletoe. I have certainly seen it for sale at this time of year, um, but it's always just cut branches. Um, so I'd have to look that up for you. Okay. One other thing for your partner there. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of sanding all those acorn nuts or whatever, throw them in a rock tumbler. It's much faster and it's much easier. We didn't actually sand them. No. We just uh, put them in the fridge. Oh, we, we, well, we washed them. We first put them into water. Oh, we soaked them soaked just them. because yeah. we kept the sinkers and tossed the floaters. That's, That's what, right. It wasn't yeah. for any yeah. purpose other than... But, you know what I mean by when he's supposed to sand them to roughen them yes, up. Yes, eh? yeah. Well, just it's called scarifying when you do that. Yeah, yeah. Throw them, we, throw them in a rock tumbler and it'll do. The, <laughs> hey, that's if you have a rock tumbler, that's a pretty good deal. But we Thanks. also we stratified. And the other thing for you yep. is there is a toy out there called a cyclops that you can plug into your laptop. Mm-hmm. It's an electronic microscope so that you can see all the parasites underneath the leaves. Oh, goody num-nums. <laughs> hey, thanks, Bruce, for all these suggestions. All right, I'll Alrighty. let you know about how to get some mistletoe seeds and get going on that. Exactly. Inga, in Toronto, good morning. Welcome to The Garden Show. Okay, good morning. I have a question for you fellows. My husband bought me a beautiful, it's called Saigo Cactus. Oh, yeah. We, I call it Christmas cactus. And it had flowers on it and a lot of buds. Mm-hmm. And now about two weeks later, he th- they dropped everything. Even the little tiny buds on the end of the thing all dropped off. 
Why? So, have you got it in a very sunny window, right on the ledge? No. You should. No, I don't have a window like that, but it's very close to the window. Okay, yeah, so you want it as close to the window as you can, and you want it in as cool a location as you can. No, so. it's in the living room, and that's not, it's, uh, during the day it's about 22, and at night it goes down to 18. Okay. And I only, even turned out, uh, we have a little light over the flowers there. Uh, we oh. even turned that one off so it has uh, dark at the night time, like yeah. earlier dark, you know. Yeah, they do want the, well, the, it's not, they don't, they like the dark, but what, for Christmas cactus, they need a couple of things. One is they need as much sun as possible when it's sunny. Uh-huh. They also need cool temperatures. And you need to be very careful about watering. When ha, Have you watered that plant since it came home? Uh, once, I think. Okay. So once in two weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, that sounds reasonable. Uh, just make sure that wet, you do not water again until the soil is like, like hard. Hard like my desk. We water at the same time as we water our orchids. Oh, no. Your orchid's going to need more water than your Christmas cactus. Oh, I see. Okay. So you see your orchid is it, it's got it's growing in bark and it's got those big air spaces yes, in between. So when you water, you fill up those spaces with with water and then you know it very quickly evaporates. Whereas with a Christmas cactus, you'll water probably every second time you do the orchids, I would oh, say. I see. So about every second week. Second or third week. I usually week. reach in on the top to see mm-hmm. how dry it is. Yeah, good idea, but make sure it's very dry, not just a little bit dry. If it's spongy, don't water. Wait till you're past spongy. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and it will it will rebud. Don't worry. The main thing is keep the plant alive. It will rebud with some more flowers it for you. It's so beautiful yeah. when it watered, and every day I've been picking up these yeah. buds and these flowers, flowers, and it makes me mad. Yeah. Sometimes they don't travel super well from store to home, but but just be careful on your watering and give it as much light as you can. Well, the, like I said, I don't have a big window where I can put it apart like that. Yeah. So I put it on, on the flower table we have mm. next to the window. Okay, sounds good. So, so I don't know. Yeah, it will flower again. Just be careful with the watering. Yeah, you have to be patient. I yes. found that out with my orchids. That's <laughs> uh, exactly right. You can't rush them. They have their own timetable. Yeah, and patience is one of the things we totally have to learn as gardeners. <laughs> well, I have two orchids standing in my kitchen window above the sink, but uh, the ledge is not really big enough for the cactus. Right. Okay. And it's right above the sink where we you uh, wash the dishes. They like so that. It gets the moisture from that. Yeah, they think they're in the tropics. And uh, right now I have one standing there because it has two two flower spikes coming out, and the other one has one coming out. But oh, it was nice. about at least two months where nothing happened. Good. Well, that's good. So you're doing something right there. Yep. Keep it up. Thanks, Inga. Thanks, Inga. Uh, speaking of timetables, we're uh, uh, kind of under the gun here a little bit. How does that happen? Well, how I do don't we, know. Like, the time just, boom, goes like that. Disappears. Looking forward to tomorrow very much, Charlie. I'm uh, heading yeah. down to St. Catherine's uh-huh. to... Uh, perform ah. as a narrator and uh, uh, ah. Captain Hook Captain. for the uh, production of uh, Peter Pan. Are you going to dress uh, up and Niagara- stuff? No. No? No, it's, uh, I'm simply uh, one of the narrators. The other uh, narrator is a talented actress, uh, Patricia Vanstone, mm-hmm. and uh, she and I will be uh, so you're gonna in read- rehearsals tomorrow So what are you doing? You're like reading the story? Yes. Well, yes, too, but the Niagara Symphony Orchestra is behind us. Right. 
and uh, it's uh, they're playing the music. Yeah, yeah, and and I don't read music, so it, <laughs> this is going to be <laughs> yeah, this you, is going to be fun. Need your cues, right? Yes, indeed. All that's right. what we're going to be working on. Uh, stay on the right. ball on that one. Yeah. Well, thank you, Frank, and good luck. You are such a talented oh, sous chef. You yes. are all over the map <laughs> with your talents. So thank you again, thank thanks, you, Sebastian, for all your wonderful help. Thanks to all our great callers. Happy Hanukkah to all the gang, and we'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.